it is now 1 p.m. and my name is Babette Brackett and I'm the, this is the regular meeting of the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure for Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. I'd like to welcome everyone joining us today. Today's meeting is being held in hybrid format. Members of the public can participate and provide comments both in person and at City Hall and remotely through WebEx. Thank you to the staff and guests who will be also participating in today's meeting. And lastly, I'd like to welcome our newest member of the commission, Commissioner Tamsin Drew, um, who has over 15 years of um, experience in the public and private sector. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the first item. Thank you, Madam Chair. The first order of business is item one roll call. Commission members, please respond when I call your name. Commissioner Drew. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Scott. Present. Vice Chair Ludlam. Present. And Chair Brackett. Present. Uh, we have one vacancy, but all other members of the commissioners are present. Madam Chair, we have a quorum. The next order of business is item two, announcements. Item A, the next regular meeting is scheduled on Tuesday, April 18th, 2023 at 1 p.m. B, announcement of prohibition of sound producing electronic devices during the meeting. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons <coughs> responsible for the ringing of or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound producing electronic device. C, announcement of public comment procedures. Please be advised a member of the public has up to three minutes to make pertinent public comments on each agenda item unless the commission adopts a shorter period on any item. During each public comment period, members of the public attending the meeting in person will have an opportunity to provide their comments. It is strongly recommended that members of the public who wish to address the commission fill out a speaker card and submit the completed card to the, the commission secretary. Members of the public who are joining remotely will be instructed to dial 415-655-0001. When prompted, please enter the access code, which is 2498-340-1631, followed by the pound sign. Then enter the webinar password, which is 244-78254. Then press pound again to enter the call. When prompted, press star three to submit your request to speak. When you dial star three, you will hear the following message. You have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When it's your turn to speak, you will be asked to unmute by pressing star six on your phone. When you hear your line has been unmuted, this is your opportunity to provide your public comment and you will have three minutes. Please speak clearly and slowly and you will be placed back on mute when you are done speaking. If you are planning to provide a public comment on any items on today's agenda, it is recommended that you call the public comment line ahead of time to allow you to listen to the meeting live and to prevent you from experiencing delays. Today's meeting materials are available on our website at sfocii.org under commission, then the public meetings tab. The next order of business is item three, report on actions taken at a previous closed session meeting, if any. There are no reportable actions. The next order of business is item four, matters of unfinished business. There are no matters of unfinished business. The next order of business is item five, matters of new business consisting of consent and regular agenda. First is the consent agenda. 
5A is approval of minutes, regular meeting of March 21st, 2023. Madam Chair. Secretary, do we have anyone for the public who would like to make public comment? At this time, if there are members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2498-340-1631, press the pound sign, then enter the webinar password, which is 244-78254, then press pound. To enter the call, press star three to be placed in the queue. If you're already listening to us by phone, please press star, star three if you'd like to provide a public comment. And we'd like to open the floor to anyone, uh, any members of the public who'd like to provide public comment who are here in person. And if there are any members of the public who are here by phone and you'd like to provide a comment, please press star three. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to provide a public comment on this item. Hearing no further to request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. Um, commissioners, can I get a motion to, um, for the consent item? Madam Chair, I move that we approve of the consent agenda. Can I get a second? I'd second that motion. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote when I call your name. Commissioner Drew. Thank you. I'll be abstaining since I wasn't present at the last meeting. Commissioner Scott. Yes. Vice Chair Ludlam. Aye. And Chair Brackett. Yes. Madam Chair, the vote is one abstention and three ayes. The motion passed. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is the regular agenda. Agenda item numbers 5B through 5D related to blocks 5254 in the Hunters Point Shipyard will be presented together but acted on separately. Item 5B is authorizing a first amendment to the second amended and restated loan agreement with HPSY 52-54 LP, a California limited partnership to, de to decrease the loan amount by $2,200,302 for a total aggregate loan amount of $57,430,430 for the development of a 112-unit affordable rental housing project including two manager's units at 351 Freedale Street and 151 Freedale Street, Hunters Point Shipyard Phase 1 Blocks 52 and 54, <clears throat> providing notice that this approval is within the scope of the Hunters Point Shipyard Phase 1 Reuse Final Environmental Impact Report, a program EIR and is adequately described therein for the purposes of the California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA, and adopting environmental findings pursuant to CEQA. Hunters Point Shipyard Redevelopment Project Area Discussion and Action Resolution Number 8-2023, Item 5B is authorizing a ground lease with HPSY 52-54 LP, a California limited partnership and a site development agreement in an amount not to exceed $4,838,390 with Rose Community Development Company, LLC, 
a Delaware limited liability company for the development of a 112-unit affordable rental housing project, including two manager's units at 351 Freedale Street and 151 Freedale Street, Hunter's Point Shipyard Phase 1 Blocks 52 and 54, and providing notice that this approval is within the scope of the Hunter's Point Shipyard Phase 1 Reuse Final Environmental Impact Report, a program EIR, and is adequately described therein for the purposes of the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, and adopting environmental findings pursuant to CEQA. Hunters Point Shipyard Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action Resolution Number 9-2023. 5D is authorizing a shoring, <coughs> underpinning, and tieback easement agreement and escrow agreement with HPS 1 Block 52 LLC, a Delaware limited liability company to provide right of access for temporary structural improvements necessary for the construction of an affordable rental housing project at 351 Freedale Street and providing notice that this approval is within the scope of the Hunters Point Shipyard Phase 1 Reuse Final Environmental Impact Report, a program EIR and is adequately described in the Phase 1 EIR for the purposes of the California Environmental Quality Act CEQA and adopting environmental findings pursuant to CEQA. Hunters Point Shipyard Redevelopment Project Area Discussion and Action Resolution Number 10-2023. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Greetings, Commissioners, uh, members of the public, Thor Koslovsky. Um, this item, as was stated, is for the Hunters Point Shipyard, the first phase of development. Um, it's a significant action item because it is one of the first few OCII affordable blocks, uh, blocks 52 and 54. Uh, they're non-contiguous parcels of approximately 112 units. Um, and the development will be presented by Jasmine Kuo, a development specialist uh, in the housing division. Jasmine. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, Vice Chair Ludlam, and Commissioners Drew and Scott. My name is Jasmine Coe. I'm a development specialist at OCII, and I'm here to present on agenda items 5B through 5D for the 100% affordable multifamily housing development known as Hunters Point Shipyard, Blocks 52 and 54, located at 351 Fridell Street and 151 Fridell Street in the hilltop neighborhood of Hunters Point Shipyard, Phase 1. We're here before you today for the final approvals required to facilitate the construction of Blocks 52 and 54 in the Shipyard Phase 1 project area. The Commission last saw this project in August 2021 when you approved a permanent gap loan for $59.2 million. This request today is being made in anticipation of the close of construction financing and start of construction next month. The Block 5254 project represents 112 of the 218 OCII-funded affordable housing units to be built in Phase 1 of the shipyard. Phase one is further subdivided into the hillside neighborhood outlined in blue on this map and the hilltop neighborhood outlined in red. Within the hilltop, OCII has three standalone 100% affordable sites. Those are blocks 52 and 54 and block 56. As required by the phase one disposition and development agreement or DDA, the master developer has constructed almost half of the required infrastructure including 12 acres of open space and 40% of the roadways. Vertical developers have constructed 505 units in the neighborhood, including 403 market rate units and 102 inclusionary units. Here is an aerial view of the hilltop neighborhood with blocks 52 and 54 called out within the context of the already built market rate residential buildings. And as you can see here, these are two non-contiguous blocks. 
Can I ask that you speak into your mic? Oh, sorry, yes. Thank you. You might want to tilt it up just a little bit. The development team for this project is led by Jonathan Rose Companies and Bayview-based nonprofit Bayview Hunters Point Multipurpose Senior Services, or BHP MSS, with John Stewart Company as a property manager and BHP MSS leading the community outreach and resident services. The buildings have been designed by Mithun Solomon and associate architect Kerman Morris, a woman-owned business. The general contractor will be a joint venture between Nibby and um, Bayview-based contractor Baines Group. As you can see in this table of project milestones in April 2021, Jonathan Rose Companies was selected as the lead developer to replace McCormick Baron Salazar. And then in August of that same year, the commission approved the $59.2 million permanent loan. In November 2022, the developer was finally awarded a tax-exempt bond allocation on their third try after two unsuccessful bond applications to the state. And lastly, in March of this year, the Citywide Affordable Housing Loan Committee approved a commitment for additional gap funding to this project, which I will discuss later in this presentation. Uh, the development program for this site includes two separate buildings on two non-contiguous blocks with a total of 112 units. 110 units will be available to households earning between 30% to 50% of the area median income, and two units will be set aside as manager's units, one in each building. The residential unit mix is designed for families, so nearly 30% of the units have three, four, or five bedrooms. Amenities in both buildings include multiple courtyards and gardens um, with space for children to play, laundry rooms, and lounges. Because the Block 52 site is larger than Block 54, uh, the developer decided it would be most efficient to gather the community and management functions on the larger site. So additional amenities at Block 52 include a large community room with a kitchen, a fitness room, uh, and management and tenant service spaces. And because transit options are currently limited in the area, the parking garages will have a total of 62 spaces across both buildings, representing a ratio of 0.6 to 1, which is higher than a typical family development in a more transit-rich environment. Now moving on to the four documents before you today, starting with the First Amendment to the Loan Agreement. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Commission approved a permanent loan for this project over 19 months ago, and since that time, several factors have contributed to increase project costs, including soaring construction demand, uh, supply chain disruptions, and inflation. To cover the increase in project costs, the developer team is now requesting an additional $2.6 million, bringing the total OCII subsidy amount to $61.8 million, which will be divided, as shown on this slide, with 4.8 million uh, allocated to the site development agreement for site prep work and the remaining 57 million allocated to the housing construction. And I'll provide more details on the site development agreement shortly. The total development cost for the project is approximately 133 million or 1.2 million per unit. In addition to the OCII subsidy, other financing sources include private mortgage, tax credit equity, and a $5.9 million infill infrastructure grant, or IIG, from the state's Department of Housing and Community Development. And before we move on, I'd like to acknowledge the high uh, development cost for this project, but also highlight a few of the factors driving up the costs that are unique to this project. Um, first, this project represents older OCII commitments as is included in the phase one DDA that was adopted back in 2003, uh, which limits affordable housing units to a maximum of 50% AMI. 
also in response to community needs and to be competitive for tax-exempt bond financing, the developer further deepened the affordability by including more uh, units at 30% and 40% AMI. Other high-cost drivers are related to the physical design of this project. Although we're referring to this project as a single project, in reality, it's a scattered site project with two separate smaller buildings. Um, and all major building systems doubled, like two sets of elevators, foundations, parking structures, et cetera. Uh, also, adding the larger three, four, and five bedroom units has also driven up the cost because it results in fewer units within the same footprint and also makes efficient stacking of the units more difficult. The second document for you is the ground lease, which will have a 75-year term with an option to extend for an additional 24 years and a base rent of $15,000 per year. The ground lease, along with the loan agreement, include the maximum 50% AMI income restrictions required by the Phase 1 DDA. Uh, the third document is the site development agreement. How and why we arrived at this site development agreement has to do with the developer's first two unsuccessful bond applications to the state. Since 2020, the state has been allocating tax-exempt bond financing for affordable housing projects on a competitive basis, and this financing has been oversubscribed in every application round. So in order to make this project more competitive in their third and ultimately final application, the developer restructured the project's financing by excluding $4.8 million in site preparation work from the uh, development budget. And this is where the site development agreement comes in. Under this agreement, an affiliated entity of the developer will complete the site preparation work that was removed from the development budget, and OCII will reimburse this entity for this work in an amount not to exceed $4.8 million. Uh, site preparation scope of work includes demolition, soil improvement, off-hauling, and disposing of on-site soils, and grading. The fourth and final document is the shoring, underpinning, and tieback easement agreement and a related escrow agreement for Block 52 only. The purpose of this easement is to allow entry onto an adjacent <coughs> property, um, which in this case is a private street called Avocet Way, for the below-grade installation of a temporary shoring system to construct the foundations and structural components of our Block 52 project. After the foundations have been completed, the, shoring, uh, the temporary shoring will no longer be needed, so it will be left in place underground and this easement will terminate. To help you visualize the easement, this illustration shows the relationship between our building, shown in green, and Avocet Way, outlined with the black dotted line. Uh, the red hatch strip rep, uh, running along Avocet Way represents the soil nails that will make up the shoring system, which are essentially um, long steel rods that will extend approximately seven to 12 feet into Avocet Way at a depth of three and a half to seven feet below grade. Occupancy priorities for the project will include uh, certificate of preference holders and descendants of originally displaced household members, displaced tenant housing preference, neighborhood residential housing preference, and San Francisco residents or workers. These priorities are aligned with the requirements of the Hunters Point Shipyard Redevelopment Plan and the Phase 1 DDA. Um, as you know, we have an early outreach process as part of our overall marketing process that will begin with the submission of an early outreach plan one month after construction starts. The early outreach process is focused on COP holders and overall technical assistance to applicants. The developer team has worked with our compliance team to meet and exceed OCII's 50% SPE goal for professional services 
To date, 87% of contract values have been awarded to SBEs or SBE joint ventures. For construction, Nibby Baines is currently working with OCII to review bids and finalize their analysis of the bids. At this time, we're pleased to report that they appear to be exceeding the 50% SPE construction um, subcontracting goal. And Nibby Baines has also committed to using their best efforts to meet the 50% local construction workforce hiring goal. OCII staff and the developer team have held several community meetings with Hilltop neighbors, and we've presented the project to both the full Hunters Point Shipyard CAC and the housing subcommittee several times since the release of the RFP. Our most recent meeting was in December of last year to present the findings from the elective soil testing conducted by Langan, uh, the developer's environmental consultant. As a reminder, this additional soil testing was conducted in response to requests from Supervisor Walton and the community, and it was elective since the site has been deemed safe for residential use by state and federal regulators. Langan analyzed soil samples for eight radionuclides, and the results indicated no contamination is present, and there is no risk to construction workers, the public, or current or future residents. Um, now, as we move into the construction phase, the team will continue to communicate with the community leading up to and throughout the construction process, and also when lease-up efforts begin. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this project is scheduled to close on financing at the end of this month, with construction beginning immediately after in May. One month after construction begins, the developer will submit their early outreach plan, followed by their marketing plan, and construction should be completed by April 2025. And by the end of that year, the building will be 100% occupied. So in closing, I'll leave you with this rendering of Block 54, as seen from the corner of Fridell Street and Innes Avenue. Um, at this time, I can answer any questions you may have. Also available for questions from Jonathan Rose Companies, we have Sarah White, um, and from Bayview Hunters Point Multipurpose Senior Services, we have Kathy Davis. With your approval today, the project is on track to close on construction financing and begin construction next month, and we thank you for your consideration. Thank you for your presentation. Um, do we have, um, we're going to now open it up to public comments. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to provide comment? If there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on these items, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2498-340-1631, followed by the pound sign, enter the webinar password 244-78254, then followed by the pound again, to enter the call and press star three to be placed in the queue. If you're already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment, please press star three. When it's your turn to speak, you will be asked to unmute by pressing star six on your phone. We'd like to begin by inviting anyone who joined um, the meeting in person to provide public comment. And our first um, speaker is Mr. Oscar James. Good afternoon. My name is Oscar James. I'm a native resident of Bayview Hunters Point. I also served on the Honorable Joseph Valley Otto and Congressman Phil Burton 
task force for the Hunters Point closure of the Hunters Point shipyard in 1972. Uh, I've also worked with the redevelopment agency and I also served as a joint housing economic development chairperson. So I've been dealing with the shipyard for a long time. My father worked in the shipyard. I had aunts work in the shipyard as riggers um, but, and as welders. But my whole thing is the housing in partial A is always been clean because that's where the commanding officer and the enlisted men's and also the officer's club was located. So they always have had a clean facility up there, not like partial E and E2. But when I got up here to support this development for these housing, this is something that's badly needed in our community, and I'm glad they're doing more than one, two, and three bedrooms, which, which we need in our community. We have families out there with five and six kids, and we don't need no two bedrooms when you have six kids or five kids living in a house. So I support this. Also, the, 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 the package that they have with the construction uh, team that they have, always work with our community to make sure people in our community have a preference on getting these jobs, which is really important to me because uh, most of them are union jobs and they all have good retirement packages. So I ask for you to support this. Uh, it's something that's badly needed for us. And uh, I say uh, congratulations to our new commissioner. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. James. And if there are any members of the public who joined us by phone, if you'd like to provide public comment, please press star three. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any other members of the public wishing to comment on these items. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, I will close public comment, and now I'll turn to my fellow commissioners um, for their comments or questions. Um, Commissioner Thompson-Drew. Thank you so much. I, and I do just want to say it's such a pleasure to be here uh, working on projects uh, for uh, OCII in the city, and I'm just thrilled to be here working on uh, this important, important work. Um, thank you so much for the um, presentation. I, I think a comment uh, and then a question. Uh, thank you for addressing uh, the, the cost. It was a little jaw-dropping as I was reviewing uh, the, the packet. Um, I think there is an additional uh, a scattered site on Block 48 uh, as we get to the hillside development. So do just want to kind of keep that in mind. And if there are any lessons learned uh, from this project that would help uh, bring those costs uh, down for, for future projects, I would encourage uh, staff to explore those options. I'm, I'm sure you're on it uh, already. Um, uh, also, uh, I think a, a question, uh, I, I worked on this project uh, back in 2018, uh, so thrilled that it's getting across uh, the line, but did just want to understand the incentive behind the, stat, uh, the state tax credits, uh, why uh, the restructuring kind of had to happen uh, to allow that to move forward, uh, and if uh, we can do things on other projects to kind of help uh, our, our projects be more competitive uh, for that state financing. So, uh, yes, the site development work um, was removed to bring the, the cost down, um, and that is what allowed the uh, application to be competitive and uh, ultimately awarded the tax-exempt bonds. Um, and I believe this is a model that we will be using uh, for future projects. Um, 
Transbay 2, for example, I believe, um, yeah, we'll be using the same um, model. Great, that's, that's wonderful to hear, uh, and obviously to the extent we can uh, structure these deals to be competitive for uh, that financing sooner uh, so we can get these moving along faster. Uh, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be great. Thank yeah. you so much. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Ludlam. No questions for me, but very glad to see this move forward uh, and get some affordable housing built. Commissioner Scott. Thank you for your presentation. And I am too am happy that we're at this point. And I would just like to bring up, I'm not sure if you've looked at some of the housing that was just put up. And one of the uh, suggestions I made was that a high gloss paint would be used instead of a flat paint because it tends to just deteriorate handprints it picks up dust dirt everything but a high gloss will s it may cost a little bit more mm -hmm. but in the long run will save you tons of money because it will always look fresh new it won't pick up the dust mm -hmm. the dirt um, it will always have the appearance of looking as if it was just painted okay and so I've gone through um, some of the housing there and, and it saddens my heart because it looks like it's deteriorating because of the weather, mm -hmm. because of, you know, the presence of people and everything else. And it's going to have to be redone to me sooner than necessary. And so that, that was one of the things I want to continue to suggest um, the quality of the paint and uh, to give it an appearance of looking good, decent, with quality and for the dignity of the uh, tenants. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good point. I'll make a note of it and talk to the developers. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I'd like to thank the staff for being very persistent in getting this project over the finish line. Um, to be able to go back three times, I know it was very difficult to try and figure out what was going to be the winning formula, and I'm just so grateful and thankful that the staff continued to put their best foot forward and got that approved for us so that we can move this project forward. Um, I did have um, a few questions and just also wanted to also recognize that um, we still are having transportation issues within um, the Hunters Point area and just glad to see that um, they did listen to some of the commissioner previous remarks about parking and adding more parking to developments especially in this area because we know that it's definitely still needed um, so my two questions are pretty much simple um, I wanted to know I know that there was some mention about the SBE goals being over 50% do we know what percentage it's at right now um, I believe 56% is the number okay. that I was quoted. And then do we know how many of those were LBEs or local um, business enterprises to San Francisco? I do not have that detail. Oh, George is here. Okay. Good afternoon, commissioners. Welcome, Commissioner Drew, Director, General Counsel Morales, George Bridges, Contract Compliance Supervisor. Currently, we're at 40% for LBEs, and many of those, if not most, are project area. 
District 10 S, uh, SBEs and minority contractors. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, do any of the commissioners have any other final comments? Um, so, um, Jamie, can you call roll? Um, do we have an motion for this item? And Madam Chair, if you'd like to just note that you're taking separate actions for okay. each item. Uh, I would move to approve uh, item 5B, uh, authorizing the First Amendment to the loan agreement. Do we I, have a second? Yes, I second that, Madam Chair. Thank you. Commission, um, Secretary, um, Madam Secretary, can you please call roll? Certainly. Commissioners, please announce your vote for item 5B when I call your name. Commissioner Drew. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Ludlam. Aye. And Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is four ayes. Motion carries. Um, do we have a motion for item 5C? I guess I'll make a motion to approve item 5C. I would second that motion. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5C when I call your name. Commissioner, Commissioner Drew. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Ludlam. Aye. And Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is four ayes. The motion carries. Um, can we get a motion for item 5D? I move that we authorize assuring underpining and tieback easement agreement and escrow agreement with Hunters Point Shipyard 1, Block 52, Resolution Number 10, 2023. I would second that motion. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5D when I call your name. Commissioner Drew. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Ludlam. Aye. And Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is four ayes. Um, the motion carries with a vote of 4-0. And uh, Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? Next is agenda item number 5E, workshop on OCII's budget for the period July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024. Discussion, Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, Commissioners, members of the public. Um, before you today is the fiscal year 23-24 um, agency budget. It represents about $720 million worth of uh, programs that we are proposing here. Um, this is a series, the first uh, stop in a series of um, hearings you'll have, this will be the workshop, and then on April 18th, you'll have an action to consider approving this budget. And to present today's budget, along with staff, will be Mina Yu, the Budget Project Finance uh, Manager for Finance. Mina. Um, thank you, Director Kwasowski. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners, Chair Breckett, Vice Chair Ludlam, welcome Commissioner Drew. Um, again, my name is Mina Yu, I'm the Budget and Project Finance Manager. I, along with our project managers, will be presenting uh, the workshop on our budget for 23-24. Um, so within Mission Bay Transbay and the Shipyard Candlestick Point, we invest in these communities by accelerating delivery of, of and access to new housing, especially for affordable units. We create new public infrastructure and open spaces. 
We maximize opportunities for local businesses and workers, and we'll be building about 22,000 new units of housing, approximately 30% of which will be affordable. Um, we will be building 379 acres of park and open space and 13 million square feet of commercial space. And our 2324 major initiatives include completing Mission Bay Park P22 and 1450 Owens. We'll be designing Transbay Block 3 Park and Streetscape Improvement Project and Underramp Park. We'll complete street acceptance at Hilltop and complete Block 48 horizontal infrastructure. And in our housing program, we'll be funding Transbay 2 East and 2 West. We'll begin pre-development work on Mission Bay South, 12 West, and 4 East. We'll begin construction on Shipyard 52, 54, and 56 and we'll continue construction on Mission Bay South 9A. Um, so this is just a reminder or overview of the budget process. Our budget is based off of our recognized obligation payment schedule or our ROPS, which we presented to the oversight board back in January, and we provided an informational packet to the commission then. Um, we submitted this to the State Department of Finance and they will be releasing their decision on April 15th. Um, and then we'll be back before you with the commission uh, budget action item on the 18th. And then pending your approval, we will submit this to the mayor's budget office and then the board of supervisors. Uh, so this table just shows the very high level summary of our budget. You can see in the bottom row, our total budget is $717.7 million. Um, the largest source it, or the largest use is our Transbay project area, followed by our debt service and our non-projects. And then you can see that our sources, our largest sources are prior period authority, which generally reflects multi-year projects. So we'll book um, the authority in the first year, and then in subsequent years we carry forward this authority as PPA, um, and then property tax. Um, so this table is just um, another table presenting our budget by our sources. Again, it's up 717.7 million, with the largest sources being PPA, property tax, and then our fund balance. Um, this table presents our budget by our uses, and we organize our budget by direct program spending and indirect program spending. You can see in the top two rows that affordable housing and infrastructure are our largest use types in our budget and our operations is less than 3% of our total budget. Um, this table provides greater detail on our affordable housing work program in the upcoming year, and Elizabeth Colomello, who is our housing project manager, will speak to these throughout the presentation in greater detail. Um, but at a high level, we have six new or additional loans and eight continuing loans, and with our support costs, it's a total of $335.8 million. And then just uh, highlights of our budget. The total budget, again, is 717.7 million. This is an increase of 0.4 million from the 22-23 budget. Um, our operating expenses make up less than 3% of our total budget. Our staffing levels remain unchanged from prior year. This is 55 FTEs. Um, our budget includes $116 million in new affordable housing loans. And then our work plan includes an issuance of $129 million in new money bonds that I will discuss further in the debt portion of the presentation. Um, and with that, I will turn it over to Gretchen Heckman, who will discuss our Mission Bay project area. Thank you, Mina. Um, as Mina mentioned, I'm Gretchen Heckman. I'm a development specialist uh, within the Mission Bay group. 
Um, okay, so I'll be presenting on the overall budget and then the CFD budget uh, later on. Uh, this is just an aerial picture of the North and South Mission Bay project areas um, taken in 2019 uh, once the Chase Center was finished uh, construction. So this slide shows a total budget of 45.6 million. Um, if you look at the top row, 38.5 million uh, will be used to reimburse the master developer for infrastructure work, and that includes um, parks that are in design and currently under construction, including P19, P22, Bayfront Park, and P2, P8, which is by Mission Creek. Um, the next line item, 2.1 million, is allocated to staffing and administrative costs, and these are associated with the review and approval of plans and uh, construction, the construction process, as well as contract compliance. 4.1 million is allocated for the reimbursement of city departments, such as Public Works and um, SFPUC for permitting and construction review, and a portion of this uh, bucket is also allocated towards environmental review for our increased housing entitlement for blocks um, 12 West and 4 East. And then finally, the $1 million line item is for a public art project that will be located in Park P2, P8. The slide shows the same budget uh, formatted by sources and uses. Um, as you can see, bond proceeds will be used for infrastructure reimbursement uh, in Mission Bay South, and for um, the same purpose, tax increment will be used for uh, Mission Bay North. Um, for staffing, we'll be using payment in lieu of taxes or pilot funding. For other professional services, bonds will be used for Mission Bay South, and again, tax increment will be used for Mission Bay North, and jobs, housing, linkage fees will be used for um, Again, the environmental review for the increased housing entitlement for our two remaining affordable parcels. Um, the public art column, this is a developer paid fee that has its own category because it's so specific. Um, most developers choose to build uh, their public art requirement on site. Um, we had one developer who, cho who chose an in-lieu fee and these proceeds are from that in-lieu fee. And then finally, I have a couple photos of projects that are in pre-development or under construction um, that are sort of the highlights of fiscal year 23-24. Uh, we're gonna move clockwise on this slide. So the top left is park B2, P8. And we hope to be able to um, get this park under construction by the end of this calendar year. The top right is the proposed Gladstone expansion. Um, in 23-24, we'll work with Gladstone on a plan, a redevelopment plan amendment, an OPA amendment, and D4D amendments for their uh, proposed expansion of about 65,000 um, additional square feet on their site. The bottom right is Park P22, again, Bayfront Park. Um, construction is projected to be completed this fall. And then the bottom left is 1450 Owens, which is a life science building that is currently under construction and being developed by Alexandria Real Estate um, Equities, and construction should be finished um, in spring of 2024. Now I'm gonna hand it off to Elizabeth Calamello to talk about uh, affordable housing. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, Vice Chair Ludlam, Commissioner Scott, and welcome Commissioner Drew. Um, Elizabeth Calamello, Housing Program Manager. Our housing program in Mission Bay this year includes continuing to fund existing projects, including the last of our funds for 
Block 9, a 141-unit permanent supportive housing pro project, and Block 9A, a 148-unit, 100% affordable homeownership project that is currently under construction. We also have budgeted for pre-development loans for our two remaining affordable housing blocks in Mission Bay South, 12 West and 4 East, totaling up to 980 units. Maximizing density on these blocks to achieve that unit count requires additional state and local approvals, including the replacement housing legislation that is currently being considered by the state legislature. So the unit counts here reflect that increase. And with that, I'll turn it over to Ben Brandon to discuss Transbank. Elizabeth. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, Commissioners. Uh, welcome, Commissioner Drew and Executive Director Kozlowski. Uh, I'm Ben Brandon, Transbay Project Manager. Most of our Transbay work in the coming fiscal year will be focused on moving forward our Block 3 and Under Ramp Park projects, as well as preparing the former Transbay Temporary Terminal Site for future development as two mixed-use residential projects around a new one-acre park. The key activities for our Transbay work program in the new fiscal year include advancing the construction documents for our block three and under ramp park projects, as well as facilita facilitating the development of our two mixed use residential projects, Transbay block two, which is a 100% affordable housing development for seniors and families, and then Transbay block four, which is a mixed income high density housing project. We'll also be actively managing the interim activation of the former temp terminal site, along with the Essex hillside open space and then working to close out our Transbay Block 1 development, which is nearing completion. To fund these activities, we've allocated $118 million for infrastructure, covering pre-development work on our two park projects, and the bond issuances to fund their construction, as well as ensuring the plant health for our recently redesigned Folsom streetscapes. <clears throat> per our current um, schedules for the park projects, Block 3 Park is slated to break ground in mid-2024, and complete construction in 2026, whereas we're targeting 2025 for the under ramp park construction to start and open to the public two years later in 2027. We've also budgeted $2 million to cover our staff's costs, uh, working on our Transbay projects in the next fiscal year, and $1 million to fund the consultants that support our projects. Finally, nearly $34 million is set aside for, uh, to fund the TJPA pledge. In the upcoming fiscal year, we've budgeted $155 million uh, to continue our work in Transbay. While the numbers here reflect that infrastructure is the primary use of our funds in the coming fiscal year, this is a little bit misleading because we do not anticipate expending that full amount of money. The large sum is driven by our plan to issue bonds at the end of the current fiscal year and in the upcoming uh, fiscal year, 23-24, to fund the construction of our two park projects. Therefore, the largest true sum, um, <clears throat> the largest true expenditure, excuse me, in the coming fiscal year is the Transbay Joint Powers Authority uh, pledge, which is nearly $34 million. The TJPA pledge is codified by the Tax Increment and Sales um, Proceeds Pledge Agreement, which irrevocably commits net tax increment and sales proceeds from formerly state-owned parcels uh, to the Salesforce Transit Center. Consistent with this agreement, OCII will transfer the pledged uh, tax increment funds to the TJPA to fund their work on advancing the transit center project. Still, we will be focusing heavily on advancing our designs for our block three and under ramp park projects in the next fiscal year. 
Our primary sources covering the Transbay work are bond proceeds and tax increment dollars. And again, these sources are covering our park projects uh, and the TJPA, TJPA pledge, respectively. The $9.6 million in other funds is comprised of $6.9 million in Transbay park fees, as well as um, the $2.7 million balance uh, being covered by excess proceeds from the previous fiscal years that we had not used. Here we have images representing the projects we'll be focusing on in the next fiscal year. In the top left of your screen is a bird's eye view of the future Block 3 Park, which will occupy the middle section of the former temporary terminal site. Directly beneath this is a site plan for the crossing, which is the current interim activation of the former temporary terminal site. Uh, and then the two images on the right are perspectives of the future two and a half acre under ramp park. The top image is looking northward into the park from Folsom Street. The bottom right image is looking southward into the heart of Under Ramp Park from Tahama Street. Now I'll turn things over to my colleague Elizabeth to provide the overview of our Transbay Affordable Housing Budget for the next fiscal year. Thank you. Good afternoon again. So our housing program in Transbay includes funding existing pre-development and construction loans on Transbay 2 East, a 184-unit family affordable family development, and 2 West, 151-unit senior development. And we will also be making a new construction loans for both of those projects. Both are applying for state financing later this year, and if awarded, both will begin construction in 2024. For Transbay Block 4, we have included funds for a pre-development loan in the event that our current option agreement lapses and we de decide to issue an RFP. So with that, I will turn it over to Lila Hussein to discuss the shipyard and Candlestick Point projects. Got to adjust it for the shorter people. <laughs> Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Lila Hussein, Senior Project Manager for Hunters Point Shipyard. Welcome, Commissioner Drew. Um, uh, we'll jump ahead to the map. I want to take Yeah. Oops. Okay. So here, before you, you have a map uh, of our project, both shipyard phase one and phase two, Candlestick Point. Um, phase one is divided into two subdivisions, Hilltop and Hillside. Uh, as my colleague Jasmine mentioned earlier, on Hilltop we have uh, 505 units completed, of which 102 are affordable. The total number of units on uh, for all of phase one is 1428. Um, construction will begin for our three OCI affordable parcels as well as one market rate parcel, block one. And uh, Hillside, the second subdivision is uh, undergoing, it currently has horizontal infrastructure being constructed right now. Um, and then for shipyard phase two, the bulk of those parcels are um, under the Navy's um, retesting and remediation program. And so that development is on pause right now. And then if we go over to Candlestick Point, we have 337 units of Alice Griffith completed and the, the remaining parcels have yet to be developed. So. Okay. So this first slide here is um, the 
the work program for both shipyard phase one and phase two, as well as the various budget categories. The bulk in our budget are for plan and permit review. As I mentioned, there's a lot to be developed and completed on our project, so the bulk of the costs are in the planning and permitting phase of the project. For phase two in Candlestick Point, we anticipate there will be some land use amendments coming from the developer, so we have budgeted, set aside funds to accommodate uh, going through a community process as well as uh, reviewing the amendments and working with other city departments to possibly amend other related plan documents. Um, in addition to that, um, the Navy retesting program has uh, their five-year review plan coming out this year. And uh, last year, there were a lot of questions around sea level rise and how the Navy is accommodating and planning for that. So we also anticipate spending money in evaluating what the Navy report says around sea level rise and groundwater remediation. The other category is uh, on infrastructure planning for phase one, mostly permit review, accepting infrastructures, uh, infrastructure completions like the streets and the parks on shipyard phase one, and, and then reviewing the associated housing planning documents. The next category are the community benefits. Those are contributions from both the phase one and phase two developer in accordance with both of those DDAs. We work with the Legacy Foundation on the expenditure of these, um, uh, these programs that were set aside, that were planned for in the Legacy Foundation strategic plan, some of which include scholarship, uh, scholarship assistance, college readiness, living stipends, and neighborhood building. Uh, activities such as a uh, community recognition ceremony that we'll be working on, as well as community dialogues. And then we have a small amount of tax increment on phase two set aside for developer uh, pre-development cost reimbursements. We have lease payments that we collect for the parcel B artists that are out on the Navy property, as well as F SFPD has a building out there, so those are lease payments, and finally we have building 101 improvements where we are doing some fire restoration work. So the next slide is similar information but by uses. The primary source of funds for my program are developer reimbursements and uh, in those same categories, uh, the bulk of which 12.3 million are developer reimbursements and then we have a small amount of property tax going to the developer, and then we have the rent payments, totaling 15.6 million. And lastly, we have some pictures here. Many of you are familiar with these parks. Hill Point Park, while it looks complete, there's still a few items that remain to be done. Historic signage installation, as well as a, as well as a lot line adjustment needs to be completed before it's transferred to OCIA. In Court Park, we have a we're fine-tuning some final documents before we can transfer it over to OCII. And Building 101, we're doing fire restoration work. So with that, I will pass it on to Elizabeth again to talk about affordable housing. Okay, you already heard a bit about our affordable housing program in the shipyard and candlestick point. But to summarize, um, the, our, our program includes four existing loans. The first two are just the remaining funds left in our pre-development loans for two of our Candlestick Point affordable blocks, 10A and 11A, which are currently on hold. 
And it also includes our spending on our blocks in shipyard phase one, um, such as the first, the, the loan you just heard about, 5254, 112-unit affordable family rental project, and the loan also for block 56, a 73-unit a affordable family rental development, both of which um, received financing and are preparing to start construction in the next two months. So with that, I will turn it back to Mina. Um, so our debt program is $151.7 million. The largest use will be debt service on our existing bonds. We have a portfolio of about 20 bonds. Um, the $3.1 million that you see under bond proceeds reflects the last payments we'll be making on 98C and 98D bonds, and these are paid out of our debt service reserve. Um, we will also be using an estimated $12.4 million on debt service for two new bonds and a refunding bond that we plan to issue. Um, as I mentioned, we have the refunding bond for 2016D, so we have our bond proceeds amount and then the other funds which reflects the interest accrued on those proceeds. Um, our other debt is $4.6 million on our hotel, hotel occupancy tax refunding. So redevelopment law allowed agencies to issue bonds against occupancy tax receipts from hotels in redevelopment project areas. So the 2011 refunding bonds were issued to take advantage of lower interest rates at the time. Debt service coverage for those bonds in um, fiscal year 22 was 7.7x, or 770%, and the taxes collected by the city and forwarded directly to the trustee. And the final maturity for these bonds is 2025, so this will be the last payment that we make on these bonds. Um, we also have our cost of issuance of 2.7 million. This is for the costs associated with issuing those two new bonds and the refunding bond. And then we have our staffing costs for our uh, folks that work on our bond issuances and bond management. Um, so as I mentioned, we are planning for two new issuances and one refunding. Uh, this slide just shows greater detail on those issuances. So it's a, a total of 129 million total principal. This assumes a 2% cost of issuance, 10% reserve, and a 7% interest rate over 30 years. In Transbay, we'll be issuing $37 million to fund Transbay Block 3 Park. For our affordable housing, we'll be funding our Transbay affordable housing projects. And then we are planning for a 16D refunding bond in the Mission Bay. Um, so our operating budget is $20.3 million. 10.4 of this is for existing staff salaries and benefits. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have 55 FTEs. Uh, there's been no change over the past five or six years. Uh, this amount does include our COLA that will go into, in, go into effect in July and then the following January. Um, we have $6.4 million in non-labor costs and $3.3 million in retiree obligations. Um, so uh, within our $6.4 million in our non-labor costs, uh, the majority of this will be for work orders with our city department partners, um, the largest of which is for affordable housing services with the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development at $1.5 million, uh, followed by our work order with the Office of City Administrators, and this is primarily for our rent payment. Uh, 
Um, and so the mayor typically issues the budget instructions in December of 2022, or December annually, and in December 2022, we received um, instructions to reduce our general fund support by 5% while maintaining mayoral initi initiatives and priorities. And so the general fund savings that we implemented was we reduced our uh, property tax support of our staffing costs by 1.3 million and supplanted this with um, using fees that we have on hand. Um, we have received an additional request last week to reduce it by another 5%, five, another 5%. Um, and within our general, within our budget, our general fund support is limited again to our property tax, which is 146.5 million. And so within that 146.5, we have a number of long-term obligations that we um, cannot reduce at this time. So we have 3.5 million in our administrative cost allowance, which is determined by formula. We have 92.4 million in our debt service and 44.9 million, which are pledged to affordable housing loans and our infrastructure reimbursements. And we also have the 3.3 million in retiree health and pension payments. So there's 6.1 million in property tax support that we are evaluating for further cost savings. Um, and we will present that before you at the action item. Um, and the, what precipitated that additional 5% reduction request last week was uh, the city issued their March 2023 update to their five-year financial plan. Um, within that report, it was shown that the deficit was expected to worsen than the last projections. So in 23-24, we're expecting a $291 million deficit. And then in 24-25, we're expecting a $489 million deficit. And so some of what is driving um, this deficit is, in general, there's a decline in commercial property taxes. Um, transfer taxes are decreasing because of the rising interest rate environment. Um, the city is also, also expecting uh, delayed FEMA COVID reimbursements. And then on the expenditure side, we're seeing cost increases in retirement and healthcare costs. Um, so in light of you know, the sort of reduction in commercial property taxes and assessment appeals, uh, we received a question from Commissioner Drew regarding what impact this might have on our debt service coverage or our budget. Um, so we did take a look back at the last five years and historically it has, the appeals have not had a material impact. 1.3% um, of appealed assessed values has been lost on those appeals in the last five years. Um, in addition, our debt is secured with a very robust coverage. We have about 400% of coverage on our debt service, meaning um, our debt service is usually hovering around seven, 70 to $80 million. Um, the, tax, the property tax that we secure against is around $320 million. Um, so we don't see an impairment in our ability to service our debt. Uh, we do issue very moderate amounts against our credit. And then regarding our budget, we do follow the mayor's budget directives, and so we act as a good city partner. Um, we have been and will continue to make adjustments as the mayor requests uh, these reductions to our general fund support. Um, and that concludes the presentation. Happy to take any questions along with our project managers. For your presentation, um, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to provide comment? At this time, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2498-340-1631, followed by the pound sign, 
enter the webinar password, which is 244-78254, then press pound again to enter the call, then press star three to be placed in the queue. At this time, we'll invite members of the public who are here in person to come up to speak. I have to apologize. I didn't put a card in for this, but when they start talking about community benefit package, yeah. that's coming out of the Hunts Point Shipyard, I have, I have real major concerns. They're doing a good job with the community benefit package, by the way. I'm not trying to, to knock that at, at all. But our community is coming back to where it was prior to 54, 55, back when I was a little kid riding stick horses and what have you. We have a lot of people moving into our community. And I, I think it would be good for community benefit package to have a program for the young kids in the junior, uh, grammar schools and junior high schools to learn the history of our community so we can kind of blend together and have this non-separation of the different races in our community, even within the African-American community, where they're fighting among each other because they do not know the history of how we were, how our full parents, the people whose shoulders I stand on, how they came to this community to make it prosperous and benefit everyone that was in that community. We need to go back to that. And the, 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 the thing that I see is a lot of the young people do not know the history of Beaver Hunters Point, nor Western Edition, nor South Park, or those other areas. Uh, and the young people need that to me more than anything else. Other than that, we're gonna have a whole lot of stagnation, a whole lot of fighting among each other, and we need to have more unity in San Francisco like they did when I was young. I mean, uh, for a long uh, period of time, prior to uh, going into the 60s, I was really disappointed in the city and county of San Francisco because there was no mechanism to bring people together like they were in the 50s and what have you. A lot of people uh, know, uh, think most of the African Americans in our community came from the South, they didn't know how to read and write, but most of them came here with, with degrees from, from colleges like Southern University, Gremlin, and, and other universities like that. They were highly educated and that was denied the opportunities to use their expertise in making this city better than what it was me as a young kid. I knew about our history, but a lot of these other kids do not know, and a lot of people don't know. When they came to Hunters Point, it was a lot of Asians in the community, it was a lot of Filipinos in the community, and we all got along together, and we need that type of thing to go back into these schools to teach, that, teach them that. I don't know if I'm explaining it, but you guys can read between the lines what I'm trying to say. So uh, kind of put that into this community benefit package that we need to have a program, something like that. And I'll be back up again. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I do have a card. Thank you, Mr. James. And um, if there are any members of the public by phone who wish to provide public comment, please press star three. Madam Chair, it does not appear there are any members of the public wishing to comment at this time. Um, hearing no um, further um, requests to speak from the public, I'm going to turn it over to my fellow commissioners for comments and questions. Um, I'll start with Dr. Scott, Commissioner Scott. Thank you, Madam Chair, and uh, thank you for the presentation. And for a while I thought there was something wrong with the mic, but when I heard Elizabeth Benn and 
Lila and the others speaking so clearly and loud, I could understand what they were saying and presenting. But I'm glad when you came back up, is it Jasmine or Mina? Mina. Mina, when you came back up, I could hear you much better. I think you kind of caught on because I had a lot of trouble with your first presentation, but thank you so much just following along with it as much as I could, um, but because I had read it earlier was good. I, too, want to agree with what Mr. James just said. If there could be a suggestion about a package, when you catch children early in life, then they grow up with the understanding and the meaning of culture, dignity, honor, pride, and security. And so I would, too, suggest that we uh, give that suggestion to our legacy, who has done a fine job in um, helping, especially, I believe, uh, Randy Saraguchi, uh, was one of the recipients, and they too with their program work with our children. But if we added the historical, cultural aspect of the community, which now it has been deemed and given, uh, District 10, the African American Cultural, if I'm right, Madam Chair, District, yes. And that is much needed to help correct so many wrongs where families have been so dis. Um, discouraged, disappointed, and pushed aside culturally, you know, um, it would be great for them to learn more about their culture uh, intentionally, you know. So I, I stopped there, Lila. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Scott. I will take um, these recommendations to the legacy chair. We do have a program that have that we have yet to define under the neighborhood building that it is uh, prescribed for community dialogues. And one of those options could be a community dialogues around the history. Uh, years ago, uh, SF, uh, SFRA uh, worked with the Historic Preservation Commission and we did the African-American um, contact statement that Mr. James participated in as well as many others. And um, part of that element, as well as many of the conversations that came out of that, is an idea that I could bring forward to the legacy chair uh, in, in planning for that particular event. And the other piece I just want to add, as I mentioned earlier, the park signage, the historic signage, we have been working with SF Heritage as well as uh, the Ohlone community and the African-American Society on the historic signage piece pulling from various research documents, but also working with SF Heritage on that as well. So I will take that to Chair Honeycutt, and we do have a meeting this week, so it's well, perfect timing. Very good, because when you call a community African-American cultural district, but you don't teach it, then that it discredits and erases the whole meaning of what that is. And so thank you, Mr. James. Thank you, Lila. And we uh, look forward to hearing more about that story. Thank you. Commissioner Ludlam. Uh, thank you for this report. Um, looks like we have a lot, of, a lot of great projects going on. I'm a little 
concerned about our optimism regarding property assessment appeals. The last five years are not an appropriate sample uh, to project forward. Values haven't come down over the last five years at all, which they now are. Uh, and that won't all be reflected in the upcoming year, but uh, it's going to be a lot more than 1.3%. That said, our debt coverage is very conservative, so I'm not super concerned as property taxes are 20% of the budget, but um, that would be something to work on a little more. Um, yes, definitely. I appreciate the comment. Um, we are certainly aware that the last five years are not representative of what might be coming before us. Um, it's the best information that we had, so we wanted to provide that just as a sort of a framework or a reference point. Um, but because, you know, because we do have very, very uh, conservative uh, sort of like coverage on our debt, we are definitely monitoring the situation. And as part of our bond reporting and our bond disclosures, we do have to uh, report any material impacts and so we do this reporting twice a year so we do um, it is a very like regular process that we examine what market impacts might affect our bond issuances um, but definitely appreciate the comment we are definitely monitoring the situation um, as you mentioned it's t only 20 percent of our budget but it is uh, an important part of our budget as it funds ma uh, the majority of our long-term liabilities um, but we do try to prioritize spending our other funds before our property tax. So our reliance on, in the budget on property tax is not as um, significant as it seems or it might be for other city departments. Um, but again, we are monitoring the situation. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Drew. Thank you, and thank you so much for uh, pulling that uh, information together about the um, debt, debt coverage. Um, agree that it's a conservative amount, but is definitely concerning given uh, local economics uh, mm -hmm. as well as the more general uh, macroeconomic uh, environment we're in. Mm -hmm. um, I had a question about uh, Shipyard and Candlestick because uh, it seems like it's a little bit of a pick your own adventure uh, right now, and there's two ways that we could go. Uh, one is with a fairly limited uh, development program uh, in FY23-4, and another is a more kind of robust uh, undertaking of re-entitlement. Um, so, uh, <coughs> Suzanne, I'm hoping you could enlighten us a little bit about what we uh, will hopefully see on the on the shipyard and candlestick uh, moving forward next year. Um, so just some background, uh, the last time we were before this commission was in 2019 for an updated major phase application for Candlestick Point and um, COVID happened, the retesting uh, um, efforts at Shipyard were continuing. So, and there, there was a lot of leadership changes over at Five Point. Right now, uh, I can't say, I don't have the details of what the possible amendments would be, but we have heard from the developer that they are reviewing and doing analysis to propose possible amendments. And we expect to see preliminary um, information later this year of what those proposals might be. And we would need to evaluate those um, around either, uh, and I can't say 100% for sure, but I'm assuming uh, you know, look at office just based on what happened in COVID and the amount of office entitlement and possible increases of density, but uh, it's probably too early to say exactly what the specific amendments would be. 
but if there are anything like previous amendments, we did have to amend almost all the documents, and that would be part of the scope of work for a candlestick point. I don't know if Commissioner Kozlowski, I mean, sorry, <laughs> Executive Director Kozlowski wanted to add anything. Thanks, Commissioner Drew, and Lila, thank you. That's a good summary. I think, um, you know, the leadership changes over at Five Point, the master developer of uh, the shipyard and um, Candlestick, has delayed them coming forward with a vision. Uh, presumably the vision matches broadly what is in the DDA, not a wholesale change, but as you know, when you, when you change what appear to be minor details, they become significant in the way that the documents are created. Um, as Lila said, uh, the developer has proposed uh, proposing something to us, a revamp of their first uh, uh, subphase under the major, first major phase, and it included, they said, about a million square feet of life science, but what else is included is something they're continuing to study. We have a call even later this afternoon to hear uh, some additional details. We're asking for information to be given to us over time and not for them to wait until it's kind of all prepared and time kind of uh, goes on and we're kind of in the dark about things. So uh, they're in constant engagement with us and uh, we hope to have some information soon. Uh, thank you so much for that uh, explanation. And just from a, a budget <coughs> perspective, uh, understanding uh, if there is a surge of activity uh, on candlestick, uh, kind of is there going to be a staffing need or would that surge be handled uh, with consultants? Um, I, I think what's here is an appropriate hedge, like kind of hope, hoping for the best and that uh, project work moves forward, um, but just wanted to understand um, what would be needed uh, to actually meet that demand. Uh, Commissioner Drew, uh, yes, if, if there were a major proposal, um, we would probably have to hire for approximately two development specialists. Uh, one of those development specialists for the Hunters Point Shipyard is already out. Uh, so if you're on LinkedIn or if you're linked in with us, please uh, amplify that posting to come work for OCII. Um, we would need an additional person as well. Uh, and depending on the scope of it um, and how much momentum is actually on the project, uh, maybe some additional staff, but not likely. And that, uh, that kind of outer envelope is uh, included in this uh, budget proposal. Uh, yes, it is. Okay, thank you. Uh, Dr. Scott, do you yes. have another comment? I just feel that it might be necessary. I have a card here that uh, started with redevelopment and it went into the community of opportunities. Um, this has followed and it's grown and I wanna say thank you, Lila, thank you to OCII, but this was a covenant that started our redevelopment and it was given to the Bayview Hunters Point and it was this, securing the right to healthcare and well-being that's going on and we've seen the healthcare center open up. And then it goes into the next covenant, establishing a system of public education in which all children achieve at high levels and reach their full potential. Correcting the system of unequal justice, fostering accountable community-centered policing, ensuring broad access to affordable neighborhoods that connect to opportunities. 
reclaiming our democracy, strengthening our rural roots, here again, teaching the culture. And then assessing good jobs, wealth, and economic prosperity. Assuring environmental justice for all. And then the 10th covenant, closing the racial digital divide. And I can't thank you enough. I've held on to these, but there were hundreds given out. And it was given out by uh, redevelopment and OCII. And perhaps we might need to raise these up and bring them back to make sure we stay on target. On target. And I thank Oscar James uh, because he's one that hangs on to every single thing. But this is the one thing I have hung on to, Mr. James. And I watch what we're doing and how we're doing. And the community is asking that we stay with our word to the covenant that was made. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Scott. Um, I did have a couple um, quick comments and questions. Um, in regards to um, the Hunters Point Shipyard, I wanted to say um, thank you to the team for moving that project along and getting um, our partners back to the table and moving that forward and discussions forward so that we can um, see some progress on that. Um, I know it's been difficult and challenging over COVID, as well as um, losing key staff members like Ashika um, during this time. And so um, my other question is around staffing levels. I know we are at the 55 FTE, and um, we have several vacancies. So just want to hear a little bit more about the planning of um, getting up and fully staffed from um, Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. Uh, we're in a, as you heard from the general economic outlook, in a funny place in the markets which affect development, market rate development, um, and some of our market rate development is commingled with our affordable housing development. Um, and it affects the overall um, sort of momentum of development, at especially the shipyard. Um, we have, I believe, 38 positions that have filled. We're currently recruiting for um, an additional three as it stands. Um, some of them are dedicated to uh, anticipation of, of the shipyard, some recent, uh, not so recent, I guess last year, uh, resignations, um, and, and backfilling those. And if uh, Candlestick, uh, we get a proposal in the next six months, let's say, as we anticipate, um, we'll definitely need those folks working on, on that side of the shop. Uh, the affordable housing uh, production is still going very strong. Uh, you'll hear my update um, under the executive director's report on replacement housing. If that comes into fruition, um, that'll take effect in 2024, and we'll have um, more housing projects, approximately 5,800 uh, to, to plan for. Um, so depending on where the market goes in the next two to two years, let's say, uh, we would have a ramp up in activity. Thank you. Um, and then my comment is also similar towards the Legacy Foundation. I know that a lot of the money that we get that from that is um, due to um, kind of like moving along the progress in our projects. And um, I did have some concerns um, a couple years ago about Legacy Foundation, um, how the money was spent. Um, I know that we've done a fantastic job of providing scholarships um, to youth in the community, um, education and so forth. But I'd just like to kind of bring back um, my concern that there wasn't enough 
um, funding in there to support um, people on the affordable housing side in terms of move-in costs, um, down payment assistance, et cetera, and just wondering if that can be also taken back to um, the Legacy Foundation chair um, to kind of revisit some of the ways in which we can help and support as we are building more affordable housing um, in the Bayview that that funding be used to help help people secure housing you know, that may be at the margins or needing support. Um, and then my final comment is just um, to reiterate the education piece and also to um, kind of provide a, maybe a suggestion um, as we are working already with the Unified School District on building the Mission Bay campus. This may be a wonderful time to reconnect with the Unified School District. We have several elementary schools in the Bayview right on the hill near um, Hunters Point Shipyard, including um, Malcolm X Academy, which my granddaughter attends, as well as Charles Drew and um, Leola Harvard. And I know that specifically around Black History Month, a lot of those schools do not have um, active PTAs. And so in what ways that um, OCII might be able to work with the school sites to be able to help them um, do consolidated Black History Month events, because I know it was challenging and the Bayview to you know get either funding or getting support um, to kind of provide educational enrichment during Black History Month. So that might be an option. It's just a more of a suggestion. And um, just wanted to round bound, just make sure if my, my other commissioners have any other final comments before I close. I would say to what you just said, uh, Bavette, that is a much needed item that housing, the help for your baby boomers, that's your largest population in this nation and in this city. And many, many baby boomers saved, worked hard for their housing and was pushed into the fraudulent senior predator loans and uh, foreclosure and it would be a great help to add on to that Legacy Foundation Fund if it was in any way possible to help families keep their homes without hanging over the edge of a cliff with the harsh reality of what the big banks have done with the redlining in that community and throughout the city in the poor neighborhoods, but especially District 10. Uh, it's been very, very hard, and um, that would be, my goodness, a saving grace for many families to just get some help with in that area. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to, again, thank um, Executive Director Koslowski, Mina, Elizabeth, um, Gretchen, as well as Ben for your presentation today. Um, seeing that we're not taking any action on this item, um, and the staff will return later on April for commission's approval. Um, Madam Secretary, can we please take the next item? Next is agenda item number 5F, workshop on the budget and levy of special taxes for July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 for community facility districts administered by the successor agency to the redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco. Discussion. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, Commissioners, members of the public. Uh, once again, you have a budget item before you uh, for community facilities districts under the state Melarus Act. Um, these are districts, we refer to them as CFDs, 
uh, for operations of, and maintenance of uh, parks in, in our project areas, as well as reimbursement for construction of infrastructure, such as the parks and streets and utilities as such. Uh, the budget is approximately $45 million for the next fiscal year that's being proposed. And similar to the agency annual budget, you'll have a workshop, which is today, and then on April 18th, you have your approval. And to, to, to uh, present this is Mina Yu, the Finance and Project Management at uh, the Finance Division. Mina. Thank you, Director. Uh, good afternoon once again. My name is Mina Yu. I'm here along with a couple of our project managers to present the workshop on our Community Facilities District, or our CFD budget. Um, so just some background on CFDs. So CFD is a voter-approved district that levies a special tax based on the unique formula approved by the commission at formation. We have two kinds of CFDs. We have infra infrastructure CFDs, which provide a revenue source for infrastructure, and we have maintenance CFDs, which fund services on an ongoing basis. Um, we have seven CFDs in multiple project areas. And then under the Melarus Act, the commission is a legislative body for the CFDs, and the OCII staff administers the CFDs. And the CFD is authority is separate from redevelopment, rede redevelopment dissolution requirements. Um, so as Director Koslowski mentioned, our budget is a little under $45 million. It's 44.8. Um, the 20 million fund. 20 million of the budget is funded by the special tax levy. This figure is an estimate as the final CFD figures do not come out until August. So we will be updating these projections and budget at that time. Um, we have $6.7 million in fund balance, and this is to pay for uh, capital improvements and developer infrastructure reimbursements in CFDs one, five, and seven. And then we have $18.1 million that reflect the bond balances in CFD six in case a refunding opportunity arises. Um, and I will turn it over to Aaron Foxworthy. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, Commissioners. Welcome, Commissioner Drew. I'm Aaron Foxworthy, your Deputy General Counsel and Real Estate Manager. And I'm presenting uh, just briefly on your the first CFD, CFD1 that we manage. Uh, CFD1 funds maintenance of about four plazas and the streetscapes on approximately four, four blocks um, in the South Beach area of the former Rincon Point South Beach Redevelopment Project area. Uh, for this upcoming fiscal year, 23-24, we anticipate an overall maintenance budget of approximately $204,612, which comprises about $124,000 in regular maintenance costs about $39,000 in capital improvements, and about $42,000 in uh, staff time. This also, in addition to the uh, regular maintenance costs, we anticipate a one-time capital expenditure of approximately $223,660 to address de deferred maintenance within the CFD. Uh, our maintenance contract with our current contractor, Forster & Kroger, expires in October 2023 and we are preparing an RFP that will include standard maintenance services as well as the contemplated one-time capital repairs, and we'll be bringing that to you uh, in time to um, have a contractor on board uh, in October when the current contract expires. And with that, I'll turn it over to who's next? To Gretchen. 
afternoon again. I'm Gretchen Heckman, a development specialist on the Mission Bay team. So in Mission Bay, there are three CFDs, uh, two of which are active, one of which is inactive. Uh, CFD number four is the infrastructure CFD for Mission Bay North. It's currently inactive. Most of the infrastructure work for Mission Bay North has already been completed. And for the final remaining piece, tax increment funds will be used. CFD number six is an infrastructure fund for Mission Bay South. And CFD number five, funds open space maintenance uh, for both Mission Bay North and Mission Bay South. Okay, so this slide shows um, where each of the, um, the, the safety funds will be spent. Um, in fiscal year 23-24, uh, CFD number six, tax revenue will be used primarily for bond payments. We are also looking at using bond proceeds to refund um, the 2005 CFD6 special tax bond series. As we've talked about before, um, the current interest rate environment is not you know, the, the best time to do a refunding or refinancing, but I think the idea is to get organized and get prepared um, to be ready if an, an opportunity arises in the future. Um, for CFD number five, uh, you'll remember last June, OCII entered into a one-year management contract with Park Lab Open Space Management to manage the Mission Bay uh, open space system. As you'll remember, we entered into just a one-year contract because uh, we are planning, which is required by the Department of Finance and Dissolution Law, to transition uh, the jurisdiction and management of the open space system to um, the city. So um, Recreation and Parks Department and the Port of San Francisco. So this budget for CFD5 reflects that transition um, based on a, a transfer date of, um, sorry, it reflects the transition of management of the open space on July 1st to the Port and um, RPD. So with the change in management and the addition of um, six acres of parks into the system, the open space system in Mission Bay for this upcoming fiscal period, uh, this upcoming fiscal period will be the first uh, year that the, um, the CFD five revenues will not cover the expenses for the park system. Um, and we have, in prior years, we had excess funds that were put aside into the equivalent of a reserve account. That reserve account, um, if needed, if uh, Rec and Park and the port are unable to find additional funds to fill in the balance, um, can be utilized to fund the shortfall. And that concludes my presentation, and I will pass it on to Lila Hussein. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Lila Hussain, Hunters Point Shipyard Project Manager. Um, first, I want to start with um, CFD, uh, CFD 7, which is the infrastructure CFD for Hunters Point Shipyard Phase 1. And that um, CFD was established in 2005, and it covers infrastructure reimbursements for roadway, land, uh, landscape parks, um, and other infrastructure elements um, the, 
budget I'll go over later will break out. Most of it is for reimbursement. The next um, uh, CFD is CFD 8, which is the maintenance CFD for the shipyard phase one parks to cover both Hilltop and Hillside parks. Hillside parks have yet to be built out, um, but Hilltop parks are mostly built out, but not 100% complete, as I mentioned in the previous presentation. And then we have CFD 9, which was formed for Hunters Point Shipyard uh, Phase 1 and Phase 2, uh, sorry, Phase 2 and Candlestick Point, and that is a combined maintenance and infrastructure CFD. And so on the map here, what you have is uh, the most of the facilities for Hilltop, um, the completed facilities that will be essentially transferring over in fiscal year 23-24 and CFD8 dollars uh, will be used to maintain those, those improvements as well as infrastructure reimbursements for a portion of these improvements. So starting with uh, CFD7, we have most of it, 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 a small portion of it is for debt service and then staffing, and then most of it is for reimbursements. The developer has submitted reimbursements for this year for roughly $3 million, and they anticipate submitting additional reimbursements as they are coming close to completing infrastructure. Uh, the next item is CFDA, which was established in 2008, and um, that covers uh, the maintenance uh, for the maintenance and operations for the parks and open space. So, uh, similar to Mission Bay, last year we came before the commission to approve a maintenance contract. A portion of those parks are currently being maintained by our maintenance contractor. Um, and so the budget that you see here for CFD is based on the maintenance um, budget for the assets at Hilltop, as well as some funding set aside for capital expenses to improve um, much needed repair on two particular items. Uh, in the parks and open space, as well as some contingency for additional capital expenditures that may arise. And like Mission Bay, we are talking with Rec Park about transferring the Hilltop assets to Rec Park, and we are in preliminary discussions for that. Per our property management plan, we are supposed to transfer these assets in 2022. So we are working with Rec Park and we may come back before the commission if additional funds are needed for that transfer with Rec Park. Um, CFD 9, the last one here is for Harness Point Shipyard Phase 2 and Candlestick Point. This is much smaller because only a small portion is being assessed right now of undeveloped property in Candlestick Point. It's three parcels in Candlestick Point that are being assessed for the maintenance portion. And, um, and so what we have here is just a reserve set aside as well as staff costs to administer the CFD. So, and now I'll pass it back to me. Um, so this table just summarizes what Aaron, Gretchen, and Lila um, discussed with you. Um, but again, the, the total CFD budget is 44.9 million. Um, we have 11.4 million in debt service for our bonds in CFD six and seven. We have the 18.1 million for the potential debt refunding in CFD six. We have 
eight million in maintenance and operations for CFDs one, five, and eight, and that includes professional services provided under contract to OCII to maintain park systems and streetscapes. Uh, we have our infrastructure reimbursements at nine million, and our administrative expenses are about $800,000, and this includes things like our agency staff costs, our special tax consultant fees, insurance costs, trustee fees, and the city and county fees, and then we have a contingency in CFDs 8 and 9 for any unexpected expenditures. Um, so we will be back before you um, with the action item on the 18th, and we'll be incorporating any of your comments. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, these uh, budget numbers are preliminary, and we will receive the final levy number in August 2023. And this is just a um, the final 2022-23 numbers inflated by the CPI. Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. It is. So we'll open it up for public comments. Madam Chair, Madam Secretary. At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2498-340-1631, followed followed by the pound sign, enter the webinar password, which is 244-78254, then press pound again to enter the call. Please press star, then three to be placed in the queue. If there are any members of the public who joined us in person and would like to provide public comment, we'd invite you to come up first. And if there are any members of the public who joined us by phone, please press star three. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Um, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close public comment and now I'll turn to my fellow commissioners for their comments and questions. I'll start with Commissioner Ludlam. Yeah, uh, I have a general question about the Mission Bay Parks uh, maintenance. Um, I know we approved a one-year contract expiring in June. Do our obligations continue past uh, the transfer to the city? Um, yep. Hi, uh, Gretchen Heckman, Development Specialist with Mission Bay. Thank you for that question, Commissioner Ludlam. Um, OCII will remain the administrator of the CFD uh, 5 that funds the management of the parks, even though they will be first managed and then later um, the city will have like full jurisdiction over them. Um, OCI will remain in that funding position and will oversee the reimbursement process. For Parks and Rec and the Rangers and whoever is working on it. Until 2043 when the CFD expires. Okay, thank you. So it's become more expensive under city management. A, a bit more expensive, yes. And that's um, mainly for uh, personnel costs. Commissioner Scott, <coughs> do you have any questions or comments? No questions, just to thank you for the report. And Commissioner Drew. 
Thank you. Uh, one comment, uh, I was pleased to see the expansion uh, of or a desire to activate uh, the uh, site office building uh, at the shipyard. I think that's a underutilized community uh, resource. So glad to see that there's um, specific uh, attention uh, being paid to using that uh, resource. And then I also had a question uh, about Mitchum Bay, uh, Ms. Heckman. I wanted to understand, uh, we've got new parks coming online. Uh, the CFD funds aren't sufficient to cover the cost uh, of uh, maintenance. And so it sounds like Rec Park and the port are on the hook to first try to find that funding gap. And then if they can't, uh, do they come to the reserves? Are the capital reserves for, or, or what, what's next in that waterfall? So um, the onus really is on Rec and Park and the, and the port to figure out how they're going to fund the shortfall. Um, we do have an amount that's in reserves. We are able to um, issue it for that purpose, um, but this is sort of a, an ongoing thing that uh, Rec and Park and the port will have to continue to work on. And they're, they're properly incented to find funding in their budgets for these parks? I believe so, yes. Okay. <laughs> Under what circumstances would we say no? Um, I mean, it's not obvious what the incentive is for them to try. If I may? Yep, please. Yeah, uh, commissioners, um, I think they're properly incented, but these are complex budget negotiations between the Board of Supervisors and the Rec Park Department and the Port, um, as well as these reserves being uh, taxes that were derived from that area. And so over time, with the new parks, those reserves will go down regardless of unless the city begins to put in substantial new funds because a uh, 5.5 acre park will be open in September of this year, which will start to dip into those reserves regardless. Um, but that is what was organized when in 1998, when this Mission Bay plan was adopted, that eventually redevelopment would sunset. And now since 2012, that's accelerated a little bit. So this is a, this is a, a thing that was being planned long in the making. Um, and then the sunset of the CFD itself will sort of return to the city's hands. So we shouldn't be bent out of shape when they ask for the reserves. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we've taken the perspective that um, it's good management to have a certain amount of reserves for shortfalls. And you try and work within your budget has been our conversation with Rec Park. They've heard that and they've been trying to do that, but their costs are more than the private contractor's costs, uh, just generally with uh, overhead and pension that city employees get um, and healthcare. So the costs are, are naturally higher, but they've tried to work within the budget. Uh, there is some amount of overage. It's a small amount, but it will jump in the next two years with new parks coming online. So inevitably the reserves will be um, eaten away but that's sort of a natural course of action with the rec park taking over the parks. I guess just a one more, one more follow-up question on that then. Uh, since uh, my understanding is the reserves were mostly for like capital uh, repairs, so if something like really went kind of wrong in a park um, that required, uh, you know, kind of getting out there and, and proper, proper fixing versus just uh, maintenance. Um, is rec park or the port uh, kind of contemplating how to place these parks into their capital programs moving forward. Um, I just want to make sure 
you know, that they're kind of considering uh, the, these parks as kind of part of their portfolio moving forward and, and appropriately planning for their long-term uh, maintenance? That's, that's a good question and a good point. Um, that is part of their long-term um, sort of financial reserves that they need to do across the city as they incorporate these parks into their park system and their planning, their capital planning will have to take over replacement. The reserves have been used over time to replace things, but it really wasn't meant for that. It was just underutilized CFD monies that went primarily for the purposes of operations and maintenance. The initial construction and replacement has been funded long ago, as you know. Um, but yeah, they were used from time to time to replace things, but that wasn't necessarily the intent. They were for operations and maintenance. Thank you, Director Kosofsky. Um, yes, it, it's the uh, calling it a reserve account is not necessarily like the correct terminology. It's just um, an account where excess funds that were not used in prior years have been deposited. So it's really excess funds. Uh, my only question is seeing that we are in a climate of a city deficit and um, our department as well as other departments are asking to make cuts, not just the 5%, but coming back and making another 5% cut. Um, do you guys have any um, idea of how that may impact um, Park and Rec in terms of maintenance on this, knowing that it's a higher cost and this is a new kind of um, capital project that they're going to have to add into their portfolio? Thank you for that question, Madam Chair. Um, we haven't heard any concerns yet from Rec and Park and the port. Um, they're currently going through their budget approval process uh, now, and they've done a lot of work in figuring out how to incorporate these uh, additional open space parcels into their existing portfolio and how you know the staffing will be set up for that. Um, so right now, I, I, we have not heard any concerns. Okay, thank you. But that's a great point. We'll um, continue to track it. Thank you. If um, we don't have any more comments, So the, um, we'll move along on the next item. Madam Secretary, can you call the next item? The next order of business is item six, public comment on non-agenda items. Madam Chair, um, I'll open up public, public comment. Yes, At this please. time, if there are members of the public who would like to provide public comment on non-agenda items, please call 415-655-0001. Enter access code 2498. 3401631 followed by the pound sign and then enter the webinar password which is 2447-8254 then the pound sign again to enter the call please press star 3 to be placed in the queue and again <coughs> members of the public who are here in person will be invited to come up first Mr. James I'm happy we have open house where I could come and speak. <laughs> I know you guys won't get tired of me. But uh, item six, one of the, my main concerns is, I have two, but my main concern is prior to 68, people that were in Soma were relocated out of the redevelopment agency. They were moved, a lot of their businesses, a lot of their homes, and what have you. 
they never received a certificate. And my concern is to make sure those people who were re relocated or moved out of SOMA receive a certificate. They may not get money compensation like we did up on the hill, but they should be able to get a certificate to be able to move back into their communities, create their own businesses like they had prior to, and what have you. My other uh, uh, item I wanted to talk about, and I know you guys talk about cutting and what have you, but in the triangle on 3rd Street, there's a lot that's up for sale. Uh, and it's right on Gerald and 3rd. Uh, you guys had already approved the, uh, the company, and I forgot their name because it's been several years before, but it's the Hunter Brothers uh, who were the previous owners of the, the property. But I would like for the agency to look into the, trying to obtain that property. And it is one of you guys' projects, so I don't know if you can do it, but it is a redevelopment project, the Triangle. Uh, and that's, that's basically all. And I just want to say I really appreciate this new commission, that you guys are doing a good job. And uh, if the community argue with you or say something, tell them to talk to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. James. And we'd like to invite members of the public who joined by phone. If you'd like to provide public comment, please press star three. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public on the, on the phone. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, I'll close public comment. Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? The next order of business is item seven, report of the chair. Madam Chair. Um, I do not have a report today. Um, um, next order of business. The next oh. order of business is item eight, report of the executive director, Director Koslowski. Thank you, Madam Secretary, uh, commissioners, members of the public. Um, I want to give you uh, two updates. Um, one is on replacement housing. Um, I gave you an update last uh, commission meeting. Uh, this is the program, the affordable housing program that had been closed down since 2012. And it's the replacement housing program for replacing the housing that was demolished uh, during the 1950s, 60s, and 70s urban renewal program. Um, <clears throat> we had approached Senator Weiner about reinstituting this program and he introduced legislation, SB 593, in February this year. And I wanted to update you on the recent committee hearing that we had. Um, the Governance and Finance Committee met last Wednesday, and they approved the initial bill uh, 7 to 0. So that's sort of a great accomplishment. Uh, I know Commissioner Drew has had some experience with this on the first go-round. Um, can you hear me, Commissioner? Not too good. Sorry. Um, so we, a bunch of us had, uh, who are working on this had uh, traveled to Sacramento to testify uh, at the Governance and Finance Committee. Uh, Senator Weiner did the introduction, gave a great uh, presentation to the senators there. They had lots of questions, and I, and I want to thank uh, a couple of people in particular who traveled with us uh, and were really fierce advocates about this. Uh, we had uh, Maddie Scott from the Freedom West Homes, uh, who is an anti-violence advocate and an advocate for affordable housing in her community. Uh, Dr. Veronica Honeycutt of the Hunters Point Shipyard CAC, who gave some personal testimony about uh, some time she had spent in Western Edition and how her family, uh, her aunt, I believe, it was displaced in the community. And then, of course, our own very own uh, President Babette Brackett showed up 
and gave some fiery testimony. We were told we couldn't speak too much, but uh, she got in some good, some good words. Um, and again, it was really th that driving force of that testimony and others who had come uh, that seemed to have the senators encouraged by this and wanted to approve it. Um, we hope to have another hearing at housing. That'll be the next uh, committee hearing that we'd have. We believe the hearing will be either April 19th or May 2nd. Um, and as we did before, I'll provide the, commission, the commissioners uh, ways to participate, perhaps join, uh, intend to travel to Sacramento. Um, I also want to thank uh, the staff who have worked on this. Um, I've not been doing this by myself at all. I want to thank the OCI team, Rosa Torres, John Daigle, Mina Yu, Elizabeth Colomello, and especially Mr. Jim Morales, our general counsel, who for a long time has wanted to have this happen. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, we're building on some of the past success of Commissioner Drew, who had uh, done this in the past. So I want to mention that. Then one other update. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to read a, a brief press release from Senator Weiner um, on this vote when the vote was cast. And I won't read it all, but I'll just read a few of his quotes. Um, I'm thrilled SB 593 passed the Governance and Finance Committee, where my colleagues showed interest in re replicating our innovative and financing solution across the state. Urban renewal was a heinous time in San Francisco's history, and we must repair some of that harm inflicted on in our black, Japanese, and Filipino communities by the destruction of Western Edition and Fillmore, as well as, uh, as parts of South of Market. Uh, Oscar James is still here hearing that. He'll enjoy that reference. I'm excited about our coalition's momentum to right this wrong and build housing that benefits all of San Francisco. Again, it would fund approximately 5,800 units of housing, uh, and those housing units could be placed uh, citywide. So we would be uh, working on projects throughout the city. On another matter, I just wanted to update the, the commission that I've been invited to um, participate in a hearing at the Reparations Task Force, the African American uh, Reparations Task Force. Myself, Rich Hillis, who's the Executive Director of Planning, uh, Eric Shaw is the Executive Director of the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, uh, will be asked to appear uh, on April 10th um, at the, uh, I think it's actually in City Hall, at a hearing that they're gonna hold. And we've been asked, I've also been asked to appear at the Policy Subcommittee which is April 6th uh, with Mr. Daniel Landry, who's the head there, and they're looking at specific uh, legislative policy recommendations on that. So I just want to make the commission aware of that, invite them to, the, to those hearings. Um, and that concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you, Director Koslowski. Um, commissioners, do you have any questions related to the items in the ED report? I'll start with Commissioner Drew. Well, thank you. Uh, maybe more of a comment, uh, but my efforts were not successful, which is why it was so important uh, that you are taking uh, this up now and have not let uh, a good idea die. So thank you very much um, for your advocacy, for the advocacy of um, State Senator Weiner. Uh, this housing replacement bill is, is really critically important, uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see that it's uh, moving forward. So thank you. Commissioner Ludlow? None for me. Thank you. Commissioner Scott? Just to say thank you to Thor for being involved in this. And it's come up over and over in the community, where is OCII and why can't we hear from them? And uh, there are issues around um, items and you know. And so I'm glad to hear, Thor, that you're stepping up, you're getting involved, you're being present and having a voice for OCII. I want to thank everyone, uh, Ms. Stein and Lila, Elizabeth, all of you, all of you. Gretchen, yes, and uh, Mina, yes. 
Thank you so much for your presentation. Thank you for the hard work that you're giving for the needs of this city, the needs of the community. Thank you. And I just wanted to thank um, Executive Director um, Kuslovsky for his work on this. Um, I know it's difficult to get these things um, through the legislature and especially in this time, but I'd also just like to say that this is a time in history in the history of the state of California and also in San Francisco where um, it was, as we said, um, there was a resounding yes from senators across the state, understanding the crunch that we're in in terms of being able to provide affordable housing and the shortage that there is that is really um, fueling the homelessness crisis that we see happening in not just our city but across the state. And um, some of the things that I that were takeaways for me personally that were positive were that other senators were also interested in um, modeling after what we're doing here at OCII. So just want to tip my hats off to the staff for being trailblazers and really pushing this through again. Um, I think it's very important that we address this and try to build as much affordable housing as we can, um, including um, leveraging state funds, bonds, and other tools that are now becoming more available as you know, more legislators are realizing that we are really at a crisis um, in, in this period of time. So thank you. Um, Madam Secretary, can you call the next item? The next order of business is item nine, qu commissioners' questions and matters. Madam Chair? Commissioners, do you have any questions or additional matters? No questions. I fail to thank our gentleman, Trans Bay, representative in our workforce. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for what you bring and the work that you give. Thank you. Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? The next order of business is item 10, closed session. There are no closed session items. Next order of business is item 11, adjournment. Madam Chair. So as we adjourn our second meeting in person, um, do we have a motion? I move that the meeting be adjourned. All second. The commission um, is now adjourned, uh, moved by Commissioner Scott and seconded by Commissioner Drew.